Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and vodka podcast. Yes. Now, a craft beer and movie podcast. We're based in Chico, California. If you've never heard us before, thanks so much for clicking on our uh, our icon or our Spotify stream or on iTunes or wherever you're listening. We really appreciate it. My name is Max Minardi. And I am Johnny Samares. Indeed. We have been we we missed an episode last week. So if you were missing us, that thank you also for that. That doesn't happen in Certainly, I don't think we did that last year. I don't think we missed, like, missed, missed a week. Oh, you except for, like, the month you were on your honeymoon. Except for that. that was we pl- took, like, a month off. We did. But other like, than that, like, we didn't. But we planned that. Like, this was an accident. and we didn't announce it. We were like, oh, we'll see you in your feeds next week. And we are yeah. just like, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you were one of the 30 or so people that wrote in complaining, sorry. Now you know why I was very ill. Just got better, like, two days ago. Um, and I think that's it for the year for me getting sick. I get sick about once a year, usually in January. Uh, so I think we're moving right along. You get sick more than once a year. Maybe twice, but like really where I, like I had to cancel a gig, mm. had to cancel this, which is basically a gig. Yeah. Um. So that rarely happens. Yeah. I and I was under the weather too. Yeah, yeah. So it was a good week that we, we kind of cycled together. I was like, let's just call it. Yeah. The morning of uh, recording last week, I had like 50% of a voice. Yeah. So. So that said, we're doubling up on movies this week. Some stuff we wanted to cover last week and some stuff we're covering this week. So we're just going to all smash it all together. And beer. And beer. Uh, Johnny, where can people find us on the internet if they want to? At Fresh Hop Cinema, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, freshhopcinema.com, and Untapped and Letterboxd. Yeah. At Fresh Hop Cinema. Me and Max both have Letterboxdzes. Uh, Letterboxdzes. Letterboxdzes. Yeah. And uh, we have one Untapped that I update roughly, um, you know, twice a year. Well, so blue check man. that out. It's pretty yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can, if you want, uh, to um, 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 I'm just gonna say something. Patreon. No, that's a great one. You take Patreon because I'll think of what I was gonna say. Really? Yeah. Please tell them about Patreon. <laughs> uh, it's a really cool way to support the show. If you've never heard of Patreon and this is your first time listening to a podcast ever, welcome. It's uh, you can give us as little as a dollar a week yeah. per, or episode. Sure. Uh, up to you know several hundred dollars an episode. Whatever you want to do. Whatever is fine with us. Exactly. Whatever your conscience leads you to. Uh, yeah. And it keeps this baby rolling. Yeah, it's a nice tie-in for one final announcement. This Friday, we're, if you're listening to this on Tuesday when it drops, this coming Friday, we have a Patreon event. It's our Stoutgasm 2.0. We're all getting together, and we're going to drink some very delicious stouts and kind of have a big bottle share. And we feed you, and we drink you. Feed you drinks. We give you drinks is the point. Uh, and that's on Friday. So if you like that sort of thing, join up on Patreon. Uh, it's a really good time. What I was going to say is, uh, I mentioned it earlier, you can... You can listen to us on an Apple podcast or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you do. Chances are you can also rate and review us at those places, which helps other people find our lovely little show. And we'd really appreciate it. Are we done? We're done about. with the announcements because I'm falling asleep. Let's do, let's do, let's do uh, two shout outs regarding our beer this week. Shiggity, shiggity shout out. Uh, I think you should take them because I think you uh, received them for the most part. I did. Uh, I coordinated, received, yes. emancipated. Um, anything you would say that I did, I did. <laughs> uh, from Dust Bowl. We got a nice little package with the beer that we're doing first, the supine. Is, it, is that how you say that? I would say supine. Yeah. I, I've been wanting to say supping. All I think of is that clip from Family Feud where Steve Harvey goes, um, name something that comes after the word pork. And some dude goes, cupine. 
<laughs> straight face. Cupine. Cupine. Uh, so I've been thinking supine, cupine. That's how I remember it. I love it. So, But yeah, they sent us a nice little package with a uh, like a press release and kind of almost like a for your consideration mm-hmm. type beer, which is really cool. Uh, so shout out to them. Looking forward to reviewing that beer. Hopefully it's awesome. It looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then also, big shout out to friend of the show, Lauren. Yeah, she's come up a couple of times in the past, but uh, what is it today that we're bringing her up uh, for? We are bringing her up for the reason that she sent us a beer from Tahoe. I think she's from Tahoe. Yeah, she lives in South Lake. Do you have her address? Sure, let me. Okay. I have her social to you. Guys right, perfect. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, she sent us a beer from Cold Water. Cold Water Brewery, yeah. Cold Water. I couldn't decide if it was one one word or two words. Fair. Cold Water Brewery. Uh, yeah, she said, technically sent us two. I think we're only doing one on the show today. Um, and there's a good chance that the other one will end up on bonus content on Patreon. Yes. So if you want to, if you like uh, hearing about Mr. Toad's Wild Rye later in the show and you want to hear about the other beer, check out Patreon. Again, I think that's the end of the plugging. Yeah. Big shout outs to fans that want to send us beer. Yeah. That, that was, it was a good week for that. That make my heart happy. Uh, without further ado, do you want to get into our first beer? Our pork supine mega IPA? Uh, I guess. Um, there's something in our glass though. There is. So why don't you fish out that beer really quickly? I will just say... Uh, to fill the time while you dig through the ice chest of glory, uh, that this is the beer from Dust Bowl. Uh, I am going to open it. We're just going to clink those together for fun. We're not going to do it at the same time, but I'm going to open up Supine Mega IPA. Again, from Dust Bowl Brewing out of Turlock. There's that. Um, They call it a Mega IPA, and here's why. It's because the ABV is 14.4%. It's got a whopping 85 IBUs. They made it with Apollo, Amarillo, Citra, and Mosaic Hops. Uh, this was just released on January 12th of this year, so it's very, very brand spanking new. It's just now gotten distribution into all of California and parts of Nevada. Uh, and Johnny, why don't you go ahead and read me what uh, what they said about this beer? First of all, what's an Apollo hop? I don't know. I'm excited to try it. That's a new one I've never heard of. Uh, and he meant, did you mention the champagne yeast? Not yet. Not yet. It's pretty cool. Uh, they actually added champagne yeast to bring out the uh, the mega in the mega category. Uh, so that basically means that it gives it a higher fermentation threshold oh, okay. to champagne yeast. Uh, there's more to for like the alcohol to ferment off. Is that right? Yeah, that's cool. I think so. It sounds right. Sound, I thought yeah. Somebody that knows more than me said something like that. As long as you've heard it once, I trust you. I read it on the internet. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, so it says it's going to get a bunch of tropical notes, and they fade into the background behind big notes of stone fruit, which I'm super stoked for. Uh, this beer looks good. I love the can. It's got little tigers all over it. Yeah, it's a it's a very cool can. I remember because you sent me a little bit of the um, the care package. You sent me a photo of it. I'm gonna see if I can pull it up without wasting too much of our time here. Yeah, but um, they gave a shout out to their graphic designers, and I think they were out of Oregon. I'm just gonna double check because it is a very cool, clean looking can. The tigers are an interesting choice, but I think they're kind of neat. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. So what, in your opinion, would you classify this beer as? Is it a quadruple IPA? I mean, a, a mega IPA. That's right. that's a phrase we've never heard before. But I mean, 14.5% is silly. Yeah, I don't know. Like, after double IPA, I think it becomes kind of arbitrary. Like, triple IPA, you, you've seen it enough now where it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I don't know about it. I'm glad they didn't say quadruple because like, when when does it stop? I think Mega's about right. A sextuple? Sure, a sextuplet IPA. Yeah. Um, what about you, an octuple IPA? See, like, what would, you know? That, yeah, that'd be crazy. But the marketing would be sweet with an octopus. That's and, true. Um, I'm not seeing the or, information I was looking for, by the way. Or the octomom. Oh, there you, you go. Know, just the babies and all of her tentacles. It'd be great. Oh, you know what? They're from Seattle. I'm sorry. not They're graphic designers, uh, Blind Tiger Design. 
uh, something uh, out of Seattle. So nice. that's kind of, I think, what they're going for here with this tiger on the can. Um, have you had from Dust Bowl Dump Truck of the Gods uh-uh. ever before? It's a, it's another one of their large IPAs. I can't think of the ABV. I think it's like 12 something. I think you brought that, yeah. Yeah, I might have brought some back one time. I stopped at their brewery several, this might have been like eight months ago. Okay. Now. But I brought one or two of those back. Um, they've slowly but surely been ramping up their big beers like that. The Therapist, which kind of makes its way around, which is like 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so the I haven't tried it yet. I know you have. I'm going to ask for your feedback in a moment. My fear with this kind of beer is always that it's going to be too boozy to be enjoyable. It's mm-hmm. going to lose any sense of being an actual IPA and just be like a heat bomb that is trying to be covered by malt and like stale hoppiness. Do you get yeah. any of that? I wouldn't say stale hoppiness. There's there's a lot of hops though. This is very full bodied. This is a mouthful of a beer. Like hello, it's gonna coat your whole mouth. Tons of hops, tons of bitterness. Uh, it feels like more bitter than I expected. Even though at eighty five IBUs, it's it's yeah. up there. Um, it is full bodied. It's thick. It's like uh, very coating on the mouth. Yep. It's really full flavored too. It's like holy crap. I'm gonna throw out buttery. A little butter. Toss that in there. That's not usually a good thing. No, not not so much a diacetyl kind of butter like you'd get from that artificial popcorn, but like a really full, luscious, um, not quite savory, but really full flavor mm-hmm. um, that does lean away from um, astringent bitterness and is more kind of a punchy uh, robustness, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah, I think it's solid. Yeah, it's it's different. It's definitely not your your typical run of the mill IPA. Uh, I don't know what a mega IPA is, but I think if I were to guess by drinking it, I would say this is it. Yeah, I think it's just an arbitrary name. Like mega IPA. Yeah. Big one. It's a big IPA, bigger than whatever people have made before, and we're making it bigger. I think yeah. that's the statement. This is a wild beer. It's, it's pretty yeah. out there. You know, it's not as uh, hot as I was thinking it would no. be. It's, I think it masks the, the alcohol pretty well mm-hmm. um, in a way that might even border on dangerous, which could be good. I don't know how much this beer was. Do you by chance? Nope. They yeah. sent it to us right for free. Uh, um, you mentioned that you'd seen it around Chico a little bit. Um, so if you see uh, Supine Mega IPA from Dust Bowl, let us know how much it costs because I think that would be a big factor for me in purchasing this again. I think the uh, the get it while it's hot. This deal is too good. You can't possibly pass it up. Price would be like seven bucks. Yeah, because um, it's a pint can, uh, like we said. But if it goes beyond ten, I think it's too expensive for the what sixteen ouncer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, but also like for the ABV. That's what I'm trying to factor in. It's, yeah, it's a lot. But, I don't know, but man. 10 bucks feels high. Do you think? I don't know. I don't let dollars and cents yeah. really factor think, in as yeah. much, I think. You, so you're probably right. I just think it's important when it comes to like buying these beers again. Yeah. It, it all sort of factors into the experience well, for me. You just, you think of yourself as a common man. Indeed. You're a consumer. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think from the consumer point of view. You've definitely paid for these beers yourself, not out of a podcast yeah, bank sure. account. <laughs> we didn't pay for this one, so I don't know why I'm qualming on this. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But it's fine. Like price, price, price. Also, last year was Dust Bowl's uh, 10-year anniversary. They haven't been around too, too long, but long enough to have established some credibility in the craft beer world, I would assume. Yeah, that's long enough. I think this beer is good. It's not great. I'm going to say it's it's uh, it's a little bit much for me, quite frankly. It's It borders on like the savory. It does not have as much of that pininess as I would like out of an IPA. Sure. Uh, I don't have a great deal of 14% IBAs, IBU, or 14% IPAs yep. to compare this to. I was looking at the IBUs yeah, when sure. I tried to read that. I should put the notes down. <laughs> Somehow this yeah. is your fault. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's good, not great. I don't know. 
uh, I'm not madly in love with it. What, what, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's also, I was going to say pretty good, not great, which I think is a step above good, mm-hmm. um, but not by too much. It does leave sort of a heavy, heavy feeling in my mouth, which I don't love, but I'm trying to reckon with the idea that it is so strong that maybe that's what you'd expect. And maybe that should be given a pass. I would love to drink six to eight ounces of this and no more. Yeah, that was, yeah, I think it's a great can to split. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you bought this and try, well, number one, you'd probably get pretty drunk pretty quick. Um, And I don't, yeah, I think unenjoyably so. So I think a smaller quantity or splitting a pint is the way to go. Yeah, I agree. Are you ready to rate this? Yeah, I think so. What are your final thoughts and your rating on this beer from Dust Bowl called Supine? Okay, so again, very well-rounded um, in terms of how strong it is. It is still a little bit hot for what I want, even out of a mega IPA. Um, the flavors are there. Mostly the carbonation's fine. It just leaves my mouth a little bit heavy. For that reason, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. You know, I'm kind of on the same track, man. It's it's good. It's not great. It is drinkable, but it's not memorable. It's something that I would probably... Like it'd be memorable because it's huge. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's probably memorable. It might not be memorable for the things that they want it to be memorable for. I would argue they want it to be memorable because of how big it is. I mean, it's called a mega IPA. I think like that's kind of the hook. Yeah. Like like maybe it's memorable for everything except the nuance of the flavors. <laughs> you know, like be memorable for everything, but how you know the noticeable parts of the flavors are very like like yes, it's super hot. Yeah. I'm gonna remember that. I'm not gonna remember the Apollo and Amarillo and Citra Mosaic hops. Like I don't I don't pick out that kind of stuff. No. Yeah, anytime that you get into that just massive like quadruple IPA territory, whatever, the the waters tend to get a bit muddy, and the beer kind of starts to just taste mushy, mm. and um, this kind of gets into that territory for me. But so, if you like that style of beer, you will probably love this. But me personally, um, not as into it. Yeah, I think I should mention that for myself too. Like, it's just not my personal favorite style. I have to. I don't know what kind of mood I have to be in for this, but mm-hmm. it has to be specific. Yeah. Definitely. I don't think it's poorly made. I think it's a fun thing to try. Yeah, definitely. definitely. But I don't know if I would, you know, reach for it again. I'm not unhappy that we drank it. So yeah, Agreed. it's it's right there in that. It's a six five for me. This okay. is a six five beer. All right, pretty solid. Yeah, it's not bad. Try it if you see it, but uh, don't drink a whole can by yourself. Right, and drive. So that is Supine Meg IPA from Dust Bowl. We're going to move along into a film, into our first film of the week. Uh, it's a film that came out back in December. It's called Just Mercy, and we are going to play you a little bit of a trailer. Don't worry, because we're not going to spoil it just yet. Tell me everything that happened. The first time I visited death row, I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me. From a neighborhood just like ours. Could have been me, Mama. But what you're doing is going to make a lot of people upset. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful. And I'm going to do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You don't know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. God. Mr. McMillan. We're done here. Mr. McMillan, please. I was just about to give up when I got a call from a Harvard lawyer looking to start a legal center for inmates on death row. I was in before he even offered me the job. You the lawyer? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for driving all the way out here. Most lawyers barely make time to call. I can't believe you talked to all my people and said you are going to fight for me. I did. That mean a lot. If you go digging in those wounds, you're going to be making a lot of people very unhappy. 
when people care about a thing that much, they'll do anything to get what they want. When I first learned about all this, it was like looking at a river full of drowning people and not having any way of helping them. You ain't quit, Miss. No, sir. Each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. I know what it's like to be in the shadows. It's my dad. He did nothing wrong. It's never too late for justice. You're the only one kid enough to fight for me. If we can look at ourselves closely, we can change this world for the better. We all need grace. We all need mercy. Amen. I got my truth back. You gave that to me. And ain't nobody gonna take that from us. All right, that was a trailer for Just Mercy, a film directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, based on the book by Brian Stevenson, uh, who is portrayed in this movie by Michael B. Jordan. He is a Harvard-educated lawyer. He goes to Alabama to defend the, quote, disenfranchised and wrongly condemned, including a man named Walter McMillan, played by Jamie Foxx in this film, a man sentenced to death despite overwhelming evidence proving his innocence. Brian fights tirelessly for Walter within the system stacked against them. Like I said, the stars Michael B. Jordan as Brian Stevenson, Jamie Foxx as Walter Johnny D. McMillan, uh, Brie Larson as Eva Ansley. It also features performances by Rafe Spall as Tommy Chapman. He is the uh, defense lawyer for the state of Alabama in this uh, case that runs through the movie. Tim Blake Nelson plays a man named Ralph Myers, and Rob Morgan plays Herbert Richardson. Uh, this film came out on Christmas 2019. It's made worldwide as of now, 30, $30.5 million, with 27.1 of that coming from uh, the domestic market. So overwhelmingly, most of the money coming from America. And it runs two hours and 17 minutes long. Uh, Johnny, you had mentioned definitely wanting to cover this at some mm-hmm. point. Uh, what did you think of it? I really liked it. Uh, there is a movie that comes along every once in a while where you are just happy that this story got told. Uh, and this is one of those movies. Uh, Michael B. Jordan really acted his tail off. Yeah. Like, he was powerful in this movie. At first, I didn't quite buy him. Um, but by the time you have this crescendo of a courtroom monologue, I am just so deep and enamored mm-hmm. and just hanging on every word he says. Uh, Jamie Foxx was tremendous in this movie. The The music was great. The visual, the aesthetic of it was great. You felt like you were in this city in Alabama. Um, from every part of it, from the good neighborhoods to the bad neighborhoods to the outskirts. It was uh, kind of an immersive film and also immersive in what kind of a death row type experience is sure. like, which is something that you don't necessarily empathize with or put yourself in anyone's shoes very often unless you just frequently watch like The Green Mile. I was thinking that was like the last time that I really was sort of in that, especially the whole second act of this movie. I mentioned um, Rob Morgan who plays Herbert Richardson in here. He's one of the death row inmates. Mm -hmm. And we spent a good chunk of time with him in the second act of this movie. And it was very Green Mile, or at least um, maybe that speaks to our lack of exposure to this sort of um, uh, tangent of life for prisoners, especially on death row. But yeah, very powerful stuff. Yeah. So overall, I think it was super well acted. It was well written. Um, a very, I wouldn't, I mean, it was an enjoyable movie. It wasn't always an enjoyable experience to watch it. But it's one of those things where you're really 
uh, happy you watched it after you did. So all yeah. in all, I really, really liked it. What'd you think? Yeah, same thing. I, this movie wasn't super on my radar. I, I definitely started paying more attention after you expressed interest in it. I'd seen previews over the past couple of months, but um, at first it feels very much like a sort of idea that we've seen on screen before. Mm -hmm. Like the, an underdog lawyer comes to defend somebody who the system is stacked against. And we know that there's going to be a moment of triumph at the very end, probably. Um, and there's going to be all sorts of, in this case, um, fairly predictable racism along the way that we have to overcome, which we're like rooting for the whole time. So I was in, this, mm -hmm. is, this is a great movie. I was, I think Michael B. Jordan is a charismatic actor in general. I think that he's wasted sometimes in roles like he was in Black Panther. Uh, Killmonger, I think was the character's name. I don't know. Seemed very formulaic. So to see him be able to um, identify uh, as a more well-rounded human person mm -hmm. was very, very nice. I never saw Creed. I hear he was really great in that. Yeah, me neither. We should watch that. Yeah. Um, people say great things about it. Nice. I think it's on HBO. Um, so I haven't seen him in a ton of stuff, but he's always been somebody that I'm like, I'm on your side. Like this, you seem good. Like I want to explore this more. And I think he does a great job here. Jamie Foxx too does a awesome job here. Um, though I think a lot of his um, heavier moments are sort of relegated towards the end. Obviously not spoiling anything, but um, I don't think he's given a ton to do, which is fine. Because as much as this movie seems to be about his character, Walter, it's not really. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, it's it's more about sort of the macro of all the Walters in, in prison and on death row. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the same way that uh, this movie kind of made me think of Green Mile, when we get those little microcosms of um, what it's like to be sent to your death, basically, um, the whole movie works as a way just to kind of keep your brain uh, on the reality that this is happening, mm -hmm. or it's certainly definitely happened back then probably is happening now um so powerful like you said not always an enjoyable experience to watch but glad you watched it by the end i think it was it was a well-made movie too i don't think i had checked i haven't seen anything else by the director mm. um but having seen this if i saw his name on another thing i would check it out definitely uh yeah. standout other performances how do you yeah anything else that was, that was the main core i mean there was really just a few people in this i mean there was uh, people that you didn't like that were just playing despicable, sure. you know, bigots yeah. that were like given way too much power. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is really did kind of showcase the, the extremes that you have to go to in some situations to actually hear, have like logic be heard yeah. and like to yeah. not feel like you're taking crazy pills. Yeah. It was, it was nuts, man. This movie, like I felt the frustration and just like the bang your head against a wall. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? Like seriously, there's this and this and this, therefore, but the, therefore they come to is like, well, no, that's not true. It's like, but it is mm -hmm. right. Like we can all yeah. agree except for this one or three crazy people in this mm -hmm. movie. Uh, yeah. In, in that regard, I think it's fairly simple. Mm -hmm. um, what this movie boils down to in terms of the main story arc. But I think, yeah, like where this movie does um, or where it will age really well is the universality of the core message. Absolutely. Which is great. Yeah. And the fight for real justice and also the fact that this was a true story yeah. based on a real person that yep. is still alive. It's super yep. cool. Yep. Uh, yeah. We get, it's a movie where you get a ton of sort of post credit. They're not post credit, but post, um, scene what's mm -hmm. i don't know the right phrase for this postscript like, sure uh where they yeah sort of let you know what everybody's been up to since which is always very powerful because not every story ends happily mm -hmm. uh so that's a tough thing you have to reckon with it's not like the movie ends You're like oh that was fun uh we just watched the avengers and now they they go and what's tony stark doing he's not doing nothing right. he's not real these people are real mm -hmm. so you have to be like oh like there's a there's a moment where you see the um it's a photo of i forgive me for not thinking of the name but the the 
company that he forms. Yeah. Um, something justice, something. Mm -hmm. Um, and you see them in like 2014, I think. And it's this huge photo. They've expanded to like a hundred employees. And it's like real people are doing this. Like I could probably go join that if I were smarter mm -hmm. and was a lawyer and totally. helpful. Uh, but yeah, that's a heavy thing. It sticks with you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is one of those movies <clears throat> that will for sure stick with me. I think so. Yeah. Same. Um, Brie Larson was good in this. She was. Like, speaking of uh, Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, she had a small part, but it was nice. Yeah. I liked it. I really appreciated this movie didn't, uh, in the traditional sense, go for like the um, the romantic relationship being the catalyst for a lot of this motivation. Mm. Like he's like, I get, like my wife would have wanted me to do this. So I got it in, ter uh, in terms of uh, Michael B. Jordan's character. Mm -hmm. Like you could see how this movie could have gone him and Brie Larson and developing like a romance. And then like, that's their thing. But I love that they didn't try to craft the uh, true story into, into what Hollywood might call more traditional, I guess. Yeah. Or palatable. More movie-like. I don't know. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, exactly. It's like it so often you read articles after a movie like this, and I haven't read anything. Maybe there are these, but where it's like the 15 things that Just Mercy changed from the original story. Mm. Like why Brian Stevenson's actually a piece of shit. And it's like, okay. Right. And I, yeah, I, I don't think this is that movie. I haven't seen those articles. <laughs> Uh, which makes me happy. Yeah, it, it seems at least the impression I got was that they stuck pretty true to the original story. Yeah. And with something like this, like you would hope that. Yeah, so, you yeah. would. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson in this. Last thing I saw him in was uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he plays a very different character here. Mm -hmm. um, he, his whole thing is he's sort of the the one key witness that sends Jamie Foxx's character to prison, mm -hmm. to, to death row. Yeah. Um, and I think the depth that they explore his character by the end says a lot too about um, what could have been a very one-dimensional character mm -hmm. becomes another like actually fully fleshed out person. Yeah. Which is nice in a historical retelling of people. Like the only real bad guys are object. Like they're, I don't care about their dimensions. Like they're clearly horrible. Mm -hmm. So, and I think he could have fallen that way, but they chose to sort of explore his humanity in a way and his, um, fears and that sort of stuff without giving away too much. But yeah. I think he did a really good job too. Yeah, they did. It was an interest. Like he became an interesting character. And yeah. An interesting and person. Al almost empathetic. Yeah. You're like, I, I get it. He wasn't just generic bad guy. Totally. Number one. So yeah, it was nice yeah. that they, they added depth and layers to a lot of the characters in this. Yeah. I really want to just give an, two more shout outs to Rob Morgan, who was, who was Herbert Richardson, who is another man on death row, sort of the second act stuff. Um, just a really, really good performance. There's little things um, that you don't necessarily... I'm going to spoil this minorly. Um, if you really want to go in blind, skip forward 30 seconds. Uh, he is the one that is executed midway through. Um, and there's like little things that he talks about, like asking the guards if they have his song queued up, mm. like for when he... Like to play as he's dying, like really st stuff that you don't think about that really hits you when you're like, that is true. Like that's the kind of stuff you would think about mm -hmm. in your final moments. Like you want to make sure that you get to say goodbye to your friends and then you get to hear the song that you want to hear before you get electrocuted. Like just heavy stuff, heavy, heavy stuff. Uh, and also Rafe Spall, who I was a big fan of in a black mirror episode called white Christmas. And he was in the ritual. He plays, like I said, the, the defense attorney, um, really good job. Uh, he takes on a whole different persona that I was like, is that even him? Like <laughs> it's, he's got a very distinct face, but, um, he changes mannerisms a lot and was, was really dislikable. Mm -hmm. And it, which is tough cause he's kind of likable dude. Hmm. Anyways, nice. those are my initial thoughts on this movie. Anyways. Yeah, I think it was an absolute like must watch. Yeah, it was real good. Yeah, it's still in theaters now. You should go see it if you'd like. Yeah, 
I was pleasantly surprised by how much, yeah. uh, not only I enjoyed this movie, but how much it impacted my feelers. Fair enough. You want to give it a rating? This movie for me is an 8.7. Nice. That's pretty high, man. It's pretty high rating. Pretty high. Pretty good movie. 8.7 for you. It's a solid 8 for me. Very nice. good. Very uh, good. I'll get into some stuff that didn't super work for me towards the end of the show when we do Danger Zone stuff, but... Uh, in the meantime, I think it's about time for a break. Do you feel good about going to a break now? Let's do it. Okay, my last thing then is stick around for the break because it's that time of the month again where we, uh, I think for all intents and purposes, butcher a famous movie scene uh, to service our loyalty to the handlebar. And if you know what movie that is, just write us in for your chance to win a wonderful gift card. Uh, stick around for that and we'll be right back. Your thirst cannot be destroyed, Johnny Son of Summers, by any craft beer we here possess. It was made in the fires of a fermenter. Only there can it be unmade. It must be taken deep into the handlebar and cast back into the delicious chasm from whence it came. You must do this. One does not simply walk into the handlebar. Its doors are guarded by more than just locks. Our faces are on posters there. This is a happy hour that does not sleep. Every day of the week it lasts from two to six. And the great eye, it's ever watchful as you take a dollar off for every beer purchased within those hours. Tis an endless selection and quantity. To enter, attempting to drink all of the beer is folly. Not with ten thousand men could you do this. Have you heard nothing Max has said? The thirst must be destroyed. And I suppose you think you're the one to do it. I will be dead before I see the thirst in the hands of an elf. Never trust an elf. I will take it. I will take it. I will take the thirst to the handlebar. Though... I do not know the way. One more shout out to our friend Lauren for hooking us up with this next beer. It's our second beer of the show, potentially our final. So gear up, Johnny. Our final ever. Final ever for the day of the show. Uh, it's called Mr. Toad's Wild Rye. If you don't know, which I don't, but I, if I can remember from my 14-year-old self that went to Disneyland last, I believe it's a reference to a Disneyland ride called Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Though, as I'm saying that, that sounds maybe wrong. Do you know if that's true? I've never been to Disneyland. Well, that explains a lot. The Void of Joy. I'm just kidding. I hate, I don't hate Disneyland if my wife's listening. I'm looking forward to going again with a new um, perspective. I've just been like sick in Disneyland and I went with band, a band, my band, my school band, where I didn't really get to go to Disneyland, but I got to play my trumpet in Disneyland. And then when we were done, we got shuffled through a big wooden wall that looked like clouds where I saw a Mickey Mouse with his head off and a man inside smoking a cigarette. So that's Disneyland to me. I think I'm better off not going. Yeah, maybe. But a wild rye, nonetheless. Talk about lack of joy. I know. That just bummed me I out. I know. It's like you see behind the scenes and you're like, seeing this is Disneyland? Mickey's disheaded body smoking and, a cigarette? And it's the age where like, you know there's people in there, but like you don't have to reckon with it consciously. Right. So to see that, it's like this weird cognitive dissonance where you're like, but you're Mickey, but you're smoking. Does Mickey smoke cigarettes? You can't quite be like, it's a person doing a job. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I'm just like now Mickey's is a is a chain smoker. It's what it'd be like if you had an abusive father who was also a clown. Sure, yeah, it'd be exactly like that. Yep. It's like Honey Boy. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's Honey the plot Boy. Of Honey Boy should have just worked at Disneyland. Yep. Anyways, Mister Toad's Wild Rye, Cold Water Brewery out of South Lake Tahoe. Again, thanks Lauren for getting us this beer. We have never had their beers before. Uh, we have certainly never had a rye type ale. It's five percent. It's twenty five IBUs. It's not a double IPA. So forgive me for messing that up on the notes. Uh, though I guess you would have noticed that uh, when you saw a light amber colored beer with a touch of rye. Mr. Toad is malt forward beer with grassy flavors, hint of spice, and medium hops. Historically, if I may be so bold, Johnny Summers, uh, we are not the biggest fans of rye adjunct beers. Correct. Um, I'm a big fan of rye whiskey. I have never loved, uh, say, uh, Ruthless Rye IPA from Sierra Nevada. I am hoping that Mr. Toad's here uh, changes the mold for me and, and brings me around, but I am expecting spice and herbs and hops, which don't, in my opinion, always go well together. You have poured some, you have tasted it. It looks like, have you poured some? I'm about to no, but I'm about to, as you tell me what your initial impressions were. All right, here we go. Spear is the flavor of what it looks like. It's very, it tastes Brown. It's got a very molassesy, caramely type thing happening the malt is very there you're saying words that i like it's not yeah i think yeah that's fair how does this beer taste compared to uh, how it smells do you do you get an accurate depiction of uh, what you're about to taste based on what you're smelling it tastes better than it smells okay i was it, getting that vibe just from your face it smells a little funktastic um yeah it smells oh yeah kind funky. of like candy that's gone bad it does smell like that yeah like like almost like a burnt uh, like a caramelized sort of sugary thing mm -hmm. going on it reminds me of like um not the the name brand um halloween candy but the off brand like peanut butter chews that come in just like the black wrapper and oh, the yeah. orange wrapper yeah yeah i hate like, those yeah when those sit around like this time of year this is what they would smell like but uh like three months after halloween yeah oh interesting this does taste interesting mm -hmm. to me um wow okay so not nearly as hot as i but it's only five percent i guess that kind of checks out um, what's Ruthless Rye from Sierra Nevada? Do you know off the top of your head, ABV wise? No, I think it's in like the high sixes or sevens, something like that. Uh, which it, it lean, lends itself a lot more nicely to sort of a hoppy, spicy mm -hmm. combo. Um, and this is definitely sweeter. Oh, it's way more like brown sugar, molasses, yeah, caramel, caramel toffee. Sure. Yeah. Um, it almost is like it has some of the flavor profiles of like ESB. a good barley wine. Oh, okay. Oh, that works too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not an ESB. A actually. little bit of an ESB. But yeah, I guess it's just kind of the low. It's pretty low carbonation, too. I actually think this would be a little bit better if it warmed up some more. This is like an ES barley. ES barley. That's a, that'd be a weird thing. An ES barley wine. English style bitter wine. I don't know. I'm just saying <laughs> things. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. This is certainly, uh, I like more than Ruthless. Yeah. I don't, I don't like Ruthless Rye at all. So. I wasn't sure if you did or not. No, I remember. it's one of the only beers from Sierra Nevada that I actively dislike. Oh, yeah. I don't. Yeah, same. I don't think it's good. No. Or I don't like it. I guess I shouldn't say I don't think it's good. People that's like this, it. You can yeah, think it's cares? not good. Sorry. I, I guess I shouldn't say it's uh, not well made. Maybe it is. I just think it's gross. Yeah, it is gross. It's like all, almost all Belgians for me or all like Belgian doubles or triples or quads. Yeah, we found probably, some ones well, you like. That's true. We have found a few. Uh, I think this is nice. Like you said, it is a surprise. I wasn't expecting the sweetness. I was definitely expecting more of like a spiced yeah. ale type thing. But this definitely comes across as um, really, really sweet. 
like a sweet, sweet rye. Yeah, I'd almost actually say that I want more rye. Like I want a little bit of something to offset the sweetness. It's kind of all sugar, no spice. Yeah, like it's saying, I mean, the description was a light amber colored beer with a touch of rye, but I think they're using touch literally. Like there's maybe just like a, just yeah. a, a pink. Maxi wants to be touched with spice. I need, I need to be punched with rye. Yeah. If 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 this is what uh, touched means, I would need to be punched. Mm-hmm. I need a little bit more. You need a spice punch. That said, it's pretty enjoyable. Like I would have called this, um, you could have even tricked me into thinking this is a mellow brown ale. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe even a barley wine, man. Like, I don't know if I've ever had a barley wine that's only five percent. Like a but super light barley wine. Yeah, I wonder if that's a thing. Like a like a, somebody's gonna make it. Like a, a session, session, a session barley wine. Uh, I don't know. That seems dumb. I don't know if I'd want that. Early session barley wine. Yeah. ESB. There you go. I don't know. Uh, but I think this is good. Um, it's surprising. Yeah, I mean, uh, we were just reading on their website that they're, they're a very small uh, brewery. What did I say? Seven, seven barrels or nine? Seven, seven. Um, I don't have a great grasp on sort of what that means. I know uh, some places are like 20 and 30, which is a pretty common start for microbreweries. Um, and these guys, um, Coldwater does, they're a restaurant also. So I don't know what started first, um, but I think this is a pretty, pretty, um, pretty decent uh, representation of a beer for something that is clearly pretty small. Mm-hmm. A lot of small breweries that maybe this is just my experience, but like breweries that also are a restaurant or more likely restaurants that happen to decide they want to make beer, their beer is garbage mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, so this is a pleasant surprise. Would you drink it again? For sure. Yeah. What, yeah. What would you pay for it since? Uh, so again, this is, a, I don't know if we said it, but this is a pint can. It's only 5%. I'm not trying to trying to empty the wallet on this guy, but I would, I would pay like, for this can again, I'd pay five bucks for it. Or if okay. I was in a bar, like yeah, four or five. That's fair. Six, maybe. Now I'm gonna pay six. Five fifty is my cap for a pint of this. That's there though. If it if it made it all the way to Chico, I'd pay six bucks for this. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just totally solid five percent ale. You uh, are looking up something, I thought. Oh yeah. I was just uh wanted to verify what I already knew. Um you were talking about a seven barrel system. Ah, yeah. So a standard keg is ah. like a, a big keg, sure, is a fifteen point five gallon. Yes. It's a half a barrel, so that means a, oh, is that right? A barrel is thirty-one gallons. Oh wow! So a seven barrel is roughly fourteen. Two hundred ten. Fourteen kegs. Oh yeah. Okay, that's very small. Small batches. Wow. Okay. Small batches. I always thought that um, this is dumb, but it's what I thought. Uh, the barrels were the like the fermenters, like the big fermenters. Mm-hmm. So well, yeah, like, and then how many barrels does each one of those hold? Right, I know. That's the thing. Right. It's like a small one of those can hold like 10. Like, you know what? Um, can you picture Knee Deep? Yes. Well, like outside, they have a big fermenter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's one barrel. So like seven barrels is seven of those. But it sounds like it's probably like one or two of those mm-hmm. to make, yeah. Yep. However many kegs. Exactly. I wonder how many beers they have. It seems like they have a At pretty least full two. lineup. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Well, Mr. Toad's Wild Rye is a, is a winner. In my book. I'll give him that. Yeah? Yeah. I think it's weird. It's very weird, but I, I love like weird. It. If weird works to be semi-enjoyable even, I think it's a win. That's the only and, reason anyone's still friends with me. And this is <laughs> this is more than a semi. This is a full on <laughs> for me. So, so, all right. so I'm going to give it, uh, if you're okay to rate it now. Yeah. I'm going to give this, this I'm going to actually take one more sip. I want to make sure of this. All right. I'm going to tell you what my rating is while you're sipping. It's a mm-hmm. six two. Well, it's lower than how you're going to go. I don't um, like it as much as you, apparently. Just to clarify, you like this less than the supine, which you gave a 6.5 Well, to. I'm, if you're comparing them directly, well, I just have to different. check the numbers because they're so close. You're 0. 0.3 off. So I just wanted to um, check. 
I would probably drink the supine before I drank this one again. Why? It is a little bit sickly sweet. I think it is just a little too much in that regard. It kind of takes over the whole flavor profile. I don't really taste anything other than like a brown sugary. Like you could have called this brown sugar. And, That's true. And then gotten sued by yeah, Lagunitas. Sure. <laughs> but also I would have been like, yep. This they don't like have a history sugar. of suing breweries for that kind of thing. That's no, so not weird. at all. So, yeah, man, I think it just, it definitely is malt forward, uh, but that maltiness took over with the sweetness, and I do not get pretty much any notes of spice, and when you advertise it as a rye beer, it is not as advertised. It is a good liquid. That's why it's still rated a 6.2. It's drinkable. It's good. Uh, It's not as advertised. That definitely affected my rating, and also it's just uh, one-dimensional. It's just a little too sweet. One trick toad. It's a one trick toad. Um, All right. So I'm going to go seven again because I think it's just as enjoyable uh, as the Dust Bowl beer, Uh, though for different reasons, obviously. I am really with you on the lack of rye, Mm -hmm. which is a weird thing to complain about considering I started with talking about how I don't like rye beers. Yeah. That said, I want to give them a shot. So if you sell me a rye beer, give me some rye. Yeah. And this doesn't have that. And that's fine um, because it is still enjoyable. I would like to see a rye beer with a balance struck between the aggressive rye character of uh, a ruthless rye IPA. And then this beer with the, just the super sweetness. Totally. I think there's a middle ground to be found that you could produce um, a really amazing beer in dude, honestly, like a stout, a stout with the adjuncts of like vanilla and rye, I think would be super solid. Yeah. There's the mellowness from the vanilla. Been a few of them. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Like vanilla rye eclipse is really good. They make that. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Well, if they don't, you guys should do it. Yeah. Brian, we're looking at you. There you go. All right. Uh, That's Mr. Toad's Wild Rye. Get it around if you can, though chances are you might have to go to South Lake Tahoe to get it from Coldwater Brewing yourself. But we are going to move on into our second film of the week. Johnny, if you'd be so kind, would you give me a trailer for a film called Atlantics? Let's do this. When the interest of transparency, I feel, I feel like I was going to edit it, but now I'll just be like, we, we forgot this is actually not in English. Yeah. So we pulled up the trailer anyways, and uh, since most of you don't speak French, uh, I assume, um, that's not going to make any sense. So I'll just go on to say that was a partial trailer for a film called Atlantics. It's directed by Matty Diop. Uh, it was actually her first feature length debut, which is very cool. Um, again, it's an, it's a French mostly language film. We might get into the other languages there that I don't really didn't know about Wolof before this, but maybe we can talk about it. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the synopsis of this film goes something like this in a suburb of Dakar. That is, uh, the capital of Senegal. If you didn't know, uh, that lies along the Atlantic coast, a futuristic looking tower is about to be officially opened. The construction workers have not been paid for months and one night decide to leave the country in search of a better life. Among them is Suleiman, played here by Ibrahima Traor. I hope I'm going to get so many names wrong here. He leaves before getting the chance to say goodbye to his lover, Ada, played by Mame Bineta Sane. 
Ada is deeply worried about Suleiman as she waits for news of his fate in the run-up to her arranged marriage to a man named Omar. On her wedding day, Omar's bed mysteriously catches fire in a suspected arson attack, and a young detective is assigned to investigate the case. Um, this film was, well, first of all, it has 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, very high rating, 85 on Metacritic. It is also Senegal's entry for the best uh, foreign feature film at the Academy Awards this year. It runs an hour and 47 minutes long. It premiered in May at the Cannes Film Festival, where it won the Grand Prix, and uh, Mari Diop made history in becoming the first black woman to make a film featured in the competition. Uh, it had a limited run in theaters, but hit Netflix on November 15th, uh, 2019, and is currently streaming, which is, I assume, where both of us saw this movie. Correct. Did you know anything about this before we uh, before we decided to watch it? Not a clue. Okay. Um, what did you think of it after seeing it? Did not like it at okay. all. Uh, what would you, if you had to genre specify this movie, what, what would you call it? Without, again, we're not spoiling it till later. And I think it's safe to say there are spoilers in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's a dumb statement. There's spoilers in every movie. Yeah, you know, because how it ends. Specifically genre-wise, I think you can uh, be spoiled with some stuff, but I, I don't think that matters so much. Um, yeah, it was, um, let's say, a drama with aspects of a th- thriller slash horror? Yeah, I don't know. Kind of? Weird, right? It's a, it's like a romance. Is it? Drama. Sure, for sure. Kind of. Definitely. Not really. Whole course it is. It, it's supposed to be, but it doesn't do it well at all. I completely disagree. Okay, fine. Well, maybe this will be a fun one to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, You did not like it. No. Um, Well, I'm going to pin you in a corner. Tell me some stuff you did like about it. Hmm. It was really pretty to look at. Sure. A lot of the cinematography was really cool, so uh, I, I dug that. Shout, a shout out to the cinematographer was uh, Claire Mathon who also was the cinematographer on Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which we have not seen yet because it hasn't gotten our markets, but it's another um, big name in the Academy Awards coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that going in. I was like, okay, well, I've heard so many great things about Portrait. I'm going to watch. And I super agree. Like great shots of the ocean and, and this weird like intersplicing of futuristic with like rundown uh, developing country vibes. Like it's very, very strange. Yeah. I mean, they kind of hit you over the head in the first like five minutes of like the dichotomy of wealth versus poverty, Sure, which is like, Oh, the, the people making this giant futuristic tower haven't gotten paid in four months. Right. Like, stuff like that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But it was, uh, it missed the mark in a lot of ways for me. That was really all I liked about it was okay. just how it looked. But even then some of the shots ran a little long. I think this movie was way too long. Um, my main gripe is that this whole film is centered around a romantic relationship mm-hmm. and it's not set up well at all. So we get okay less than five minutes of on-screen time with the two main characters in this movie that Adam, are supposed to be Superman. madly in love yeah. with each other okay. and their dialogue is minimal and shallow and it was completely ineffective in making me think that they have any kind of deep connection at all. All. So the depth of emotional turmoil that takes place in this movie um, is confusing and I didn't understand the motivation behind it because I did not have any sense of the depth of their affection for each other. So I think they could have taken a good 45 minutes out of the middle of this movie and put it towards them and their relationship and give me some background on them. So I care about what happens in this movie because the way it was set up, I simply was not invested. We saw this guy on screen for one and a half scenes. Yeah. Like seven minutes. Maybe. And then he's gone. It's an interesting way to start the movie because you think at first it's going to be about him, about Suleiman, mm-hmm. I should say. 
Um, and then, yeah, he's the one that goes out to sea and yeah. he's like, well, I'm out of here. Yeah. And she's like bedridden with this, yeah. this heartbreak. And I just didn't understand why. Like there was no emotional connection for me to think that they, she should be heartbroken. It was all vaguely implied at best. So for me, the romance in this movie did not work at all. That's interesting. I <clears throat> This will be a tough one to, um, I'm going to come back to that actually. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to write this down so I don't say it out loud. Um, but we'll get back to the love story here. Um, I think what's really cool, and, and, and partially that might be about the language barrier too. I think- I was there, wondering that. There were some moments where I'm like, I don't fully understand what you're trying to say. I don't think like the the weight with which you're delivering these lines and the dialogue that I am understanding do not match up. And the subtitles we're reading. <clears throat> yes. yes. Um, that said, I think that this movie could, and for you, it sounds like it did the whole time. But for me at first was like, I'm not super intrigued. And there's one particular moment um, that I won't spoil, obviously, where the movie becomes intriguing on a whole nother level. And I think that is that is where um, things become a little bit more convoluted and a little bit more um, metaphorical and less literal. And I think that's a big strength here. Because I, I don't think that by the end of the movie, at least I wasn't um, comparing the, or maybe not comparing, but um, trying to justify the relationship between those two people specifically and only. I was sort of looking at more from Ada's perspective and how um, her sense of self and romance and, and what it means to be her um, related to to Suleiman and the other auxiliary uh, men that we meet in this movie. Um, so I think it's definitely a love story, certainly centered around those two. Um, but the gravity of this entire movie doesn't come just from that relationship. Yeah, but I also wanted more background about her. Like... There's not enough base layer for me about any of these characters to care about anything that's happening in this movie. I wonder if the characters presented in this movie, because you do have Ada and then you have basically two groups of her friends. One mm-hmm. are sort of like the, the liberal like party girls. Um, by the way, we should talk about like the club that they go to mm-hmm. and the weird lighting effects used there. Um, the other is like the religious sect of people. Um, and they're basically archetypes. I think it's like them. Um, their whole group of friends could basically be one person in each one. And then there's like the the rich man archetype, which is portrayed by Omar here. And then there's Suleiman, who is like the love, but no material wealth. I think um, I can take, or what worked for me was taking sort of my preconceived notions about what these people represent and using those as templates for uh, what would stand in as like a, as a backstory. I don't think I needed the backstory. I think I could like use my own experiences and be like, okay, well, that's what that represents for me. And then project that onto this. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna make a movie that is based solely on like presenting metaphorical truths in almost a fable type way, yeah, that would be doable, but they wanted this movie to be character driven. It's kind of presented in that way. And it just didn't like, I don't know. What is it? Is it as a character driven? Like, why do I care about these people right. and their relationship and why they miss each other? But then it becomes this whole other thing. And it's like, well, what do I care about now? Right. You know I think what that, I mean? That's, I think, the strength of the subversion of the genre. Like, it starts off as like a very um, straightforward, like, arranged marriage love story, uh, like any number of Disney movies would. And then it changes to a number of different things. And I think that's the point where you have to be like, well, maybe I need to expand sort of my. Um, uh, the way that I'm taking it. Yeah, but for me, I I got what it was trying to do, and it didn't do it well. Like mm. it for me, it was never 
convincing in any of its facets. I get it that it was trying to be like a love story initially and on the surface. And then maybe this, this race, uh, not race, but like this class warfare type struggle. And then it turned into this like weird kind of horror ish elements that got brought in and it never really committed to any of them really. Like if this would have been a movie about romance and a relationship and loss, it would have, maybe made more sense to me and been more convincing as a film if they would have gone deeper into these characters and focused on that story instead of trying to be from what it sounds like you're saying and I agree with kind of like three different things almost sure I mean yeah that's not even to say anything about like uh let's um okay so the group of her friends we sort of get their storyline right Mm -hmm. a little bit later in the movie and that brings in a whole nother thing about class inequality and like um it's hard to discuss this without spoiling, so I won't, but I think... I think we might be should just do it, because it's we're in it too deep to go back to the danger zone now. We're not going to remember our trains of thought. Oh, I for sure will. I'd, I'd, right. I'd rather not spoil it yet. Right. Um, but I do have a couple of things. I just, I, I enjoyed this movie, because part of me, like, really enjoyed seeing something I didn't expect. Because mm-hmm. I, I get very burnt out, and I'll talk about this when we get into Hot and Bothered here uh, in a little bit, but like... It's nice to be surprised mm-hmm. in a movie experience. I love that. I love I love seeing something new and fresh and a new idea, especially from a feature uh, length or a feature film debut. Like this is her, this is her first movie. It's such a cool idea to support and like really be a pioneer for like new ideas. So maybe I'm a little biased coming in that way, um, but I'm willing to give a little bit more leeway, even if and I agree with you. Not everything ties up neatly. Sure, but it doesn't bother me as much as I think it bothers you. But even if it didn't tie up neatly, was it a good movie? And I think this is where it's going to come down once we do spoil it, is that I think you and I would uh, say that this was trying to be two different things. I think that it achieved what it was trying to be. You think it uh, did not, but I think I would argue that what you think it's trying to be is not what it's trying to be. Hmm. Uh, without being any more cryptic than that, <laughs> I'll have to save it. You uh, are not what you think yeah. you are. Let's uh, let's let's rate Atlantics for now. Yeah, let's do it, man. It is... Um firmly like a 2.5 for me <laughs> not not a fan right, pretty low all right uh it's an eight for me it was really good i really love the performances i love the soundtrack we didn't talk about the club but there's all these like weird layering effects of like poverty versus wealth and um expectations of what it means to be young and um sexually uh, uh what's the word virile no that's what i was gonna say um uh relevant isn't quite right but it's like that also whatever it doesn't matter um Tons of themes in this movie. Yeah. And tons of themes of really slow pacing too. It was very slow pacing. I'll give you that. I could not get behind the pacing. uh, There was scenes of like the sunset was real pretty. Sure. But we stayed on it for so long. I was like nodding off. I'm with you. Um, I'm going to write that down too. Um, Because there is sort of a scene towards the end where we spend a lot of time in one of those shots and there's some voiceover happening. And I'm just like, all right, like I think you could have. Get on with it not even get on like you didn't need this like yeah. like explain you've you've taken so many leaps throughout the rest of this movie to to be original and to make your point like don't revert to this pretty tried way of uh telling your message and then andy dufresne never went back to shawshank yeah right i haven't seen that movie i know i need to watch it yep uh okay so for me it's an eight for you it's a 2.5 that's atlantics it's on netflix if you see it uh let us know what you think we're gonna jump to one more break and then we'll get into hot and bothered which I'm very excited for. Yes. Yeah, it's been a while since we've disagreed this strongly about a movie. Yeah, it's nice. I want to get back into it. <laughs> then we'll get back into it. So stick around. We're going to jump to Hot and Bothered, and we will be right back. All right, we're here with Hot and Bothered. That is the point in the show where, in this case, we catch up on our past two weeks, what's got us hot 
or excited. You, Most you. God is bothered or angry and mad. So mad. <laughs> um, I'm going to wager that we've both um, absorbed way too much content to bother being mad about, to bother being bothered, if you will, about anything. Unless any of that stuff that you watched was bad or any stuff that I did, but I can spoil it. There's only one thing that it really bothered me about well, what I watched. Well, I mean, some of what I watched bothered me yeah. because it so was- you watched 10 movies. Less than ideal. Sure. So uh, you go first. Okay, great. Well, what I was going to say is you were talking about pacing of Atlantic. It was far too long. Just couldn't get into it. And I want to say uh, that I did finally, or perhaps not soon enough, try to watch The Irishman. Okay. And this is a movie. Wait. I yeah, know. Try. I didn't say that accidentally. It's a movie that I, I I said before it came out. I was like, I just don't care much about like the Martin Scorsese gangster sort of Goodfellas type movies. And I was sick in Reno. I can't stress this enough. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I have it in me. It's only 11 o'clock at night. Maybe I can handle the three and a half hour adventure that is The Irishman. That's something you would think. So I started it and it became slowly midnight. And I got an hour, hour and a half in maybe. And I was like, oh, I have to go to bed. Um, I fully blame it for one of the reasons that I, we did not record last week because I stayed up to watch The Irishman. Got back to Chico. I watched like another half hour, 45. And I just couldn't do it. It's something about the the social conversation around it being so long and people having to stop it to finish it. It's an, an indelible task to do. And I just, it defeated me. I liked the effects. I thought it was fine. The story's cool. I don't care though. I haven't thought about it once until just now. Once you said something in Atlanta, I was like, oh yeah, The Irishman. And it's just one of those movies. It's going to be a blind spot for my 2019. I know it's going to win so much stuff probably. And I don't care. So that's my bothered. I wish that I could have gotten into it. I gave it kind of an honest shot. Well, now you're my bothered. Why? Because you finish movies that you start, man. Most of the time. Come on, man. Just, you watched it. We, we already covered it on the show. We've done no how many incentive. episodes? How uh, many? Okay. Maybe? How many movies have you not finished? Two. And this was- This th is the second. What was the first? Hellboy. <laughs> And this was that bad. No, no, no. Hellboy, I walked out of the theater. If yeah. I saw the Irishman in the theater, I would have watched it. Yeah. I was just watching at home and I was sick. I just. <sighs> I'm disappointed. I think Hellboy's worse because we were going to cover that on the show. And we then did I, cover and, it. Yeah. And then I didn't finish it. But we already covered the Irishman. You weren't wild about it. There's only a certain group of people that have been made, wild about the Irishman. Top 10. Did it? Made my top 10. Did it? Made my top 10. That's Patreon content, everybody. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to make mine. It wasn't going to make my top 20. I just don't care. I don't care about the legacy. Mm. I don't care about the story. And I'm jaded about it, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. So this is basically my review of Atlantics. I know. That's why I, I just think. don't I care. Just, you don't care. I just don't and care. I think, I think that's fine. The difference is you watched Atlantics. Yeah, all of it. Front and to I, back. And I watched as long as you did. To be fair, but it was only half there were several small naps. Oh, really? Like I said, some during of those scenes that, yeah, during Atlantics. <laughs> yeah, okay. Some of those scenes were so fucking long. I was just like, Rrr. yeah, I, I will admit, that, well, we'll touch on it in a little bit. Never mind. Yeah. Um, what's anything got you bothered? Uh, let's see. Well, it's funny because my hot and my bothered are both kind of Star Wars. Okay. So we'll get into that in a minute. But I did watch a movie that you actually recommended a long time ago. Here we go. And I finally got to watch. It was a movie called Lobster. The Lobster. The Lobster. Yorgos Lanthimos, I yes. believe. Real good movie. Real good movie. Real good movie. Uh, you want to give me the, the little spiel on it? Who's oh. in it? What's up? All that stuff. Uh, so basically, it stars Rachel Weiss and what's his nuts? Um, oh, God. I can see his face. Why? Why is he doing this to me? Do you know his name? You don't either, dude. Yes. What the hell is his name? I don't 
know. You know, he's Irish. Yeah. Colin Farrell. Farrell. Whoo. Uh, and it's also got, um, what's her name? She's uh, I'm Brit- not playing this game. I'm pulling it up. British lady. I for- Sure. Uh, I don't know. Who are you thinking she of? She was in um, The Queen or not The Queen. What was the one? The Favorite. She played the Queen of England. Olivia Coleman? Yeah. 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 Sure. She was good in this. Yes. So the central characters are Colin Farrell, Rachel Weiss. So the whole idea of this movie, in a nutshell, is if you're single and you're an adult, you have to go to this hotel and find someone to not be single with, or you get turned into an animal. Of your choice. Of your choice. Yep. In like 45 days. Yes. And go. Right. It's a a black comedy. Fair enough. Dark. Dark comedy. comedy. Yeah. Dark comedy. Yeah. Very dark. uh, Very weird. Very beautiful to look at. There's mm-hmm. some scenes in the, in the forest where they're running and it's sent to like symphonic yeah. overtures of just these epic scenes. Yorgos Lanthimos is a weird dude. He's he makes a weird movies, weird man. weird guy. But this was one of those movies that I will never forget watching. Totally. Like, it's so unique. You were speaking earlier, excuse me, about being surprised and sure. seeing these new ideas. And like, we've seen so many damn movies to see a movie like The Lobster where it's like, Everything I'm seeing is brand new. Someone just got turned into a fucking pony. Like, (laughs) what is happening? Because it's one of those movies, too, where you're like, when you first hear it, you're like, is this, it's clearly they can't actually be doing this. Yeah, is this a thing? Oh, they do. Oh, yeah, they do. They commit. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, we meet some really wild characters in this movie. Crazy things happen. There's highs. There's lows. There's twists and turns that you wouldn't expect. And uh, I didn't know. I thought I was expecting a more straightforward weird movie, if yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Um, but this was uh, a truly unique film in its ideas and execution, and I appreciate the recommendation. I really did love it. Yeah, so this came out in 2015. Where did you see it? At home. It was on streaming on Netflix, Netflix or Hulu, one of the two. Yeah, okay. One of the streaming services. One of my favorite quotes, from, and I'm not going to get this totally right, but it's like, um, oh man, there's like a ceremony where two people – um, finally meet and they're like, they have like this, all right, you're in love ceremony now go off and whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's one scene where they're like, well, we recommend if you're not getting along to have children. Mm-hmm. A lot of people seem to do that when relationships aren't going well, yeah. it seems to fix it. And like, it's, oh, it's such a funny moment. Yeah. I was like, if your courtship isn't going well, children will be a sign right, right. to you. <laughs> and like you follow that couple later as they have children. Yeah. Just fucking miserable. It's so funny. Um, John C. Riley's in this. Yeah. At one point, like he gets called like, ma- you can't masturbate. Yeah. Like you can only have sex with somebody. Yeah. As I think it's like a way for them to be like, go meet people because mm-hmm. you're clearly pent up. So you're going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. And he gets in trouble for it, I think. And he gets his hand stuck in a toaster. In a toaster. Yeah. Like weird stuff. Um, but yeah, Colin Farrell, Rachel Vice is great in this. Yeah. Way darker than I thought it was going to so be too. Dark. And I loved that aspect yeah. of it. So yes. I was into it. If you haven't seen The Lobster, check it out. Yeah, you mentioned The Favorite. He also directed that. Okay. Um, so Rachel Weisz was in that. So was Olivia Coleman. Nice. Um, he also directed The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which we have a poster of right there. Yeah. Uh, which is also Colin Farrell. So he's, Yorgos Lanthimos has like this sort of um, core group of actors I think he likes to rotate with, and they all do a very, very great job. Granted, Killing of a Sacred Deer is a lot darker and almost borderline horror movie, if I remember right. Okay. But very good. If you like the aesthetic of Lanthimos, you'll dig all of his movies. Nice. Yeah, that's great. it. Uh, you mentioned Star Wars. Yeah. So we took a week off due to sickness. So I had a ton of free time and me and Shalena watched Solo on Netflix. Cause Star Wars story, Star Wars story. Cause it's personally my favorite of the newer 
One of my favorite. Right? I love Solo. You hate Rogue One, right? Um, we'll get there. Okay. Tides of change. Sure. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So I loved Solo, and I wanted to. She wanted to watch something Star Warsy because we finished The Mandalorian, and she's like into this universe now. And then we watched Solo, and it was like a light bulb. She was like. Why haven't I watched all these? I want to watch all of them. Like, and she started expounding upon this. And while she was mid sentence, I was signing up for Disney Plus with with furious thumbs. Yeah, sure. Because I've been waiting for this moment my whole she life. Just needed the extra push yes. for your wife to be like, "Yes, let's do it." Yeah. That's well, fair. to be like, I want to watch all the Star Wars oh, movies. Sure. I'm like, I always want to watch all the Star Wars movies. So we did it. We bit the bullet. We got Disney Plus, which has been a great experience. And we have watched in since last me and Max spoke. Episode one, episode two, the Clone Wars full-length movie, episode three. What are you saying when you say episode two then? Because isn't episode two the Clone Wars movie? Attack of the Clones. Oh, what's the, what's the other one you're saying? Clone Wars the movie. The and then there was Clone Wars the animated series. So what's Clone Wars the movie? It's a movie about the Clone Wars that's set between episode two and episode three. In really? episode two, the Clone Wars begin. Episode or the Clone Wars continues that story further and explores the whole Clone Wars that happened because oh. they kind of brush over a lot of the quote-unquote actual war in the Star Wars core movies. So there's a lot that happens between Episode 2 and Episode 3. In fact, I think most of the Clone Wars TV series actually takes place between Episode 2 and Episode 3, Revenge of the... Or not Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I know you can't see my screen super well, but is it this movie? Yeah. Oh, weird. So it is an animated movie. Is it based on the series? Or like the characters from the animated series? No, it's based on the movies. Like, okay, yeah, it's literally a sequel to Episode Two, but it's 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 no longer live action. It's animated with different actors, but it's still based on that. Exactly. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, and it's really good. So Episode One, Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, the movie, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, the Clone Wars, the movie. Yeah. Then Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Then Solo. Okay. Then Rogue One. Yeah. Then episode four, five, six. Sure. And that's where we're at. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot of Star Wars, man. And I tell you what, Rogue One, so much better if you watch them all in chronological (laughs) order. sure. Um, You just know what led up to that point. You're familiar with a lot of the characters. Um, Yeah, it was really good. It sounds like it would carry the same type of gravitas that the the animated Clone Wars movie does. Like you have, it's sort of just like, not filler, that sounds degrading, but like, um, like what's happening behind the scenes while your main story is going on. Well, and if you watch them all in chronological order, the way that we're doing, mm-hmm. they fit seamlessly together. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like episode three flows right into Rogue One. So seamlessly. Or Solo. Well, Solo is a standalone movie, okay, sure, so they're sure. not really in like important. in the, It's just you gotcha. watch them because that's roughly what time period that solo took place Got was it. like in that time period. Um, so I really would consider uh, episode three flowing seamlessly into rogue one, Got it. which then flows seamlessly into episode four. Yeah. Like literally they reference each other at the end of episode three and the beginning of rogue one. And then at the end of rogue one, Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, the same exact spaceship takes off mm-hmm. and then you see it at the beginning of episode four, a new hope. A lot of so, care has been put into that. Dude, man. and like you don't get a full grasp because how often do you watch all those movies close enough to no, catch those things? Never done it. Exactly. I never have either. And as someone who's a lifelong Star Wars fan, it's totally like making my head explode because yeah. you're seeing all this continuity. You know me. I'm a sucker for continuity. Sure. And just the references and the characters, they flow seamlessly. Some of the movies are terrible. 
looking at you episode two and three. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they were important in the plot. Uh, episode three wasn't as bad as I remember it being. Um, I think it was mostly Hayden Pan- Hayden Panettiere. What the hell is his name? Hayden that, Christensen. That's a girl. Yeah, I, was, I get yeah. mixed up a lot. Hayden Christensen. Yeah, yeah. As Anakin, like he's, uh, you know, a little rough. Yeah. But yeah, it's been super enjoyable, and it made me appreciate Rogue One so much more. I actually have been logging them all on Letterboxd in my diary and updated my ratings for them. Nice. Uh, what was your highest? Was were any of them a five star movie? Uh, yeah, four, five, and six are all five star. Nice. They they set the bar for everything that science fiction films are in the day that we live in. Fair. There's a there's a great video essay on um, uh, Darth Vader being established as I wish I could think of who did this, but um, as a villain, and he's got like when you if you break it down, he's got very 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 limited screen time mm-hmm. in Episode Four. Um, but he's such an imposing figure, the way that he's shot and the way that they choose like the soundtrack behind him. Like he's, he's an imposing villain with like, I think it's like 14 minutes, maybe Hmm. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great movie making. Yeah. So that's been my, my hot and my bother just because some of those movies were tough to sit through, but then there's pleasant surprises like seeing the Clone Wars film for the first time and enjoying that. And then also seeing Rogue One with a fresh set of eyes. And in fact, how important that story was to the whole overarching plot and um yeah so that's been a fun adventure we're gonna get into episode seven and eight and then watch nine as soon as it's available right yeah seven and eight are out now yeah totally so i have uh, episode seven the force awakens on blu-ray and then episode eight last jedi last jedi is on netflix or or, no it's on disney plus it was on netflix yeah but it's disney plus for sure. sure okay and then, yeah, episode nine, which we covered in our Christmas episode, which I really enjoyed. But that was a good episode. We'll be watching soon. Yeah. So, Sweet, man. I never thought I'd see so many movies since the last time I saw you. I know. You. It's a lot. It's a surprise for everyone. Good on you. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I've seen uh, several less than that. But um, one, like I said, was kind of The Irishman, though I didn't finish it. I Doesn't still, count. I, Don't, I you can't right. count it. All right, fine. No. Nope. Uh, what I did see was a film called American Factory. It's up for uh, Best Documentary in the Academy Awards this year. It's one of a few that I'm still trying to see. Um, But American Factory, if you've never heard of it, it's available on Netflix. It is the story of um, a factory in Ohio, an old GM factory that goes under and is taken up by a, uh, a China glass, a China based glass, glass factory. Okay. Um, And it's about an hour and a half long, if I remember. And it's sort of all, well, it's essentially about this glass factory, but uh, if you take one big step further back, um, it's sort of about these two cultures and how we view work versus how China does and like um, how these two cultures meet in the middle. It's a very fascinating look at something I've never even considered. Hmm. Um, it, 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 in the context of 2019, 2020, it really puts a question mark on the make America great again slogan. Mm. Like, cause this is like a small town in Ohio that lost 20,000 jobs and then was bought by a Chinese company who, uh, as a country very famously is um, denigrated by uh, someone in American politics is like stealing our jobs, coming in and actually giving American workers jobs. Granted, as we look into this documentary, those aren't always the greatest jobs and the working conditions that people in China are accustomed to enduring versus those in America are willing uh, are very different. I bet. And it's an interesting look at um, both of these cultures colliding in ways that I've, again, like never considered. I have a question. Yeah. Are the working conditions worse in China or America? <laughs> Way worse in China. I, I mean, I was no, assuming, they I didn't suck. want to just assume. Yeah, it's bad. Um, and, but the thing is that the people, at least in this documentary, don't look at it that way. They, um, they really put a high value on work ethic. Mm. So they will say things like, Americans uh, take like four days off, or like... Uh, 
two days off a week, basically. <laughs> and, and they will get like two days off a month, Oof. maybe. And there's all these people talking about how they haven't seen their children or their families in um, months in some oh cases. Oh, my God. Um, and, and most of the time, it's this very strong, like, that's because I pride myself on my work and I really believe in it. And then there's moments where you catch them late at night smoking a cigarette on their patio saying things like, I would never let my coworkers see me cry, but I'm lonely and I miss my family. Wow. And that kind of stuff is like, oof. Yeah. Oof. Oh. Uh, so that's American Factory. You can check it out. Again, it's up for an Oscar this year. That uh, sounds really good. Yeah. It's it's a very digestible little um, little doc. You've been on the doc thing lately. I'm trying to keep up with more stuff. I've seen all the best pictures this year. Uh, are you going to watch uh, Frisama? Uh, I don't know about Frisama. Oh, it's uh, like either foreign film or documentary. Okay. It's supposed to be really good. It's oh. documenting this girl... Um, young woman for five years during the deterioration of Syria. Oh, I have heard of this. I'm yeah. I have not seen it. It sounds so good. Sure. I really want to see it. Uh, I will put it on my list. It sounds great. Totally. At the very least, one of us needs to see it so we can try to get it more. I wonder if we can, by the end of, um, what is it, the 26th today? 7th? Uh, by the time the Oscars roll around on the 9th of February, if we can do a tally of how many of the films in every category, no matter what, how that'd many we've seen. That'd be fun. I bet you we've seen over 60%. So I'm gonna say. Oof. There's a lot of foreign films. There's like six foreign films. Well, oh, is docu- there? documentaries and foreign. I guess that that's it, but you would be holding holding us down with the documentaries. But yeah. like, if we're going into this like as a team, yeah, like yeah. combined, yeah. how many we've seen? I bet we got it. Sixty percent. I think so. That'd be fun. Uh, shoot for seventy. Right. So hope for sixty. I still have some best pictures to crank through. That's fair. Shout out to the pageant. They were playing Jojo Rabbit. They, they brought that back. They, yeah, it's still running. Um, I think if you're listening to this again on Tuesday when it drops, I think it's still going until Thursday. Yeah. Go see Jojo Rabbit. Hell yeah. It's crazy that you get a second chance. We yeah. missed it at the uh, you know, main main theaters. What's the right word? Or the main running the of The corporate it? teat. Yeah. You missed it on those screens, so go see it at your local Speaking independent theater. Speaking of the corporate teat, they're Love playing it. all the best picture nominees. I saw that too, actually. Yeah. So, you know what? Maybe that corporate teat has, has some good milk still to suck out of it well you never know go to both go to both theaters suck it until the milk gets sour um the last thing i want to touch on is a movie that i meant to see several years a couple years ago um it's a joaquin phoenix movie called you were never really here did you ever see this Oof. yes Yes? okay oh wow Um, this was a this was a movie yeah it was directed by lynn ramsey came out in 2017 um and joaquin phoenix plays a uh traumatized war veteran who sort of moonlights as a um crusader for underage girls who've been sold into sex slavery mm-hmm. and he goes and he rescues them and kills the people basically that, um, that did this. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a weird cross between like, if you've seen taxi driver, the way that the positive version of that movie ends with like the equalizer with Denzel Washington. Um, which is funny because a lot of Joaquin buzz, obviously around the Joker this year, which is basically a shot for shot remake of taxi driver. I agree um, because I said it first. Sure. Yes. Um, so, so like this movie, unlike Joker for me, I really liked, I think this movie spends a lot of time dealing with a, his, um, his trauma from his childhood and from, uh, the war that he was in and, um, is a lot more ambiguous in terms of what it all means by the end, which I think if you're dealing with something as nuanced as childhood, uh, emotional, sexual, physical trauma and war PTSD, like I think things should be more ambiguous. Mm -hmm. And it was impossible for me not to compare it to the Joker, obviously Uh, with the Oscar coming up and with how much buzz that movie's gotten. Um, And again, I can't stand behind Joker. I know you liked it more than I did, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, But I think if you want to, and I'll say this again, like 
go watch Taxi Driver. Or now I can say, go watch You Were Never Really Here. Watch both of them. Yeah. And I still think they're both better and more thoughtful movies than The Joker is. I agree. I to really like To say nothing liked. of the performances. I think he's good in Joker. Mm-hmm. Good enough. Yeah. And I've rewatched Joker. And I liked oh, it really? a bit more the second time. Sure. But yeah, it's still... And not the best. There's, there's not much new there. And it comes back to like wanting to be surprised and wanting to be, uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, wanting to support original ideas. Yeah. And it's just, isn't one. I don't, I don't think there's any way around it. Like it's a, it's a reheating of an old idea taught in kind of a new, not exactly superhero movie way. Um, yeah. it's, I don't know. I've asked quite a few people because I, you know, I, at parties and, and whatnot. I'm like, hey, what movies have you seen this year that you really liked? Like, yeah. what do you think is going to win best picture? And, uh, every single person that has said the Joker mm-hmm. has not seen Taxi Driver. That's so crazy, right? It makes sense though. Like, I was, um, like yeah. you should please go watch this movie. But should that affect it? Uh, well, I, I think it's kind of a testament to Taxi Driver. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, I like, wonder, did Taxi Driver win that year? Do you know? Ooh, wouldn't be surprised. That's obviously. a good question. I don't know. I'm glad you watched You Were Never Really Here, though. That it's been on my was... list for a while. I started it and I was like, this is too dark for whatever Dude. mood I was in. Like, because it gets, it goes there. It's gnarly for sure. I was just thinking, um, I read an article and I'm going to see if I can pull it up really quick. Um, it was this horrible, horrifying look into the mentality of people voting uh, for the Oscars. And it was uh, from, oh, it's from the Daily Beast. If you don't know, it's a website, it's an online magazine blog thing it's an online website sure um, and i just want to read one quote this is uh this is from somebody of the thousands of people that vote for the academy awards um and he or she uh where the hell did this quote go i'm just skimming this article so quickly um 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 the the gist of it was that a lot of people voting in these categories have not seen all of the entries which seems not correct. Wow. You can't, you can't not see them. No, we've seen more of them than you have. Right. Like I can't find the quote, but one quote was like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't really want to see little women. And then I saw the trailer and it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. So I didn't see it. And these are people. And they're voting for like 1917 or Joker. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't think that's a good representation of what it means to be on this board of people that vote for movies. Yeah. You should see the movies that you're not voting for. Right? You dumb idiot. Yeah, like you need to have a base of why one is right. better than the other. Yeah, one of my favorite movie podcasts, Film Spotting, uh put out a put out a, a poll to select what they call the Golden Brick Award, which is uh, movies from new and upcoming directors. It's usually their their first film. Um and up there was Last Black Man in San Francisco, Atlantics, um I think Honeyland was on there. It's another documentary. I think that is also for the Academy Awards. Um, and I hadn't seen all the movies, so I didn't vote, which seems right. Yeah. Like I can't pick just the one movie that I'd seen at the time. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 I'm becoming more and more uh, disenfranchised towards the idea of what it means to win an Oscar. Yeah. Which is fine. I yeah. guess. Which yeah. is also my bothered, I guess. All right. Well, this podcast has come to a screeching yeah. halt. Do you want to do any spoilers for Atlantics or Just Mercy? Well, we kind of have to because it's I, part I, of the show. Well, I think. Do you have stuff you want to talk about? Because I definitely do. Uh, no. Then I will flagship this. Yeah. Well, kind of for Just Mercy. But Perfect. Yeah. Let her rip, man. Okay. We're jumping into the danger zone. Spoilers inbound like we've all just seen the movies. We're walking out of the theater together. Brace yourselves. Danger zone. 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 Dangerous zones. Here we are. Uh, so Jess Mercy first, I think, because chronologically, 
Forgive me on that one. We started with Just Mercy, so we should kick off the danger zone with it. We mentioned uh, at the end of the movie. How's your beer? It's good. I, which one are you talking about? Because at this point, I think I have three technically, my friend, because you <laughs> left. No, I can't even go to okay. the extra claw yet because I'm still going to. Oh, ghost in here. Uh, it's like the uh, the ghost of Suleiman has is, is entered my can. <laughs> entered my can. Wow. Uh, let's look. Um, so just mercy. We talked about at the very end of the movie, there are some statistics and sort of real life photos and numbers of what happens. Yeah. Any of those stick out to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was neat just seeing the actual pictures of Johnny D getting out and, um, a lot of the statistics about, um, how many people this organization actually like saved and like got pardoned was like 140, and just the statistic. Yeah, that's nuts. Like yeah. in, in, I think, 30 years. Yeah. Which is a lot. Like you saw the level of work that goes into saving one person. Yeah. And then that's also crazy. one of the other guys in this movie uh, who is kind of on their cell block, like one of the other guys that you're seeing in death row talking all the time, he yeah. actually took over his case and got him out. Right. It was the guy played by O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah. Who is Ice yeah. Cube's son, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 So that was crazy, and they had actual footage of him coming out of court a free man after, what, 30 years? It was something crazy. Yeah, his name was Anthony Ray Hinton. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 28 years. <sighs> he finally got released and was just like, there was, yeah, like great footage taken like, uh, I don't know, um, 1985 plus 30 or 28. Yeah. Can you do the math? Uh, 2015? Something. Yes. I, I don't know. Yes. 2015 yeah, right. would have yeah, been yeah. 30 years. Um, so yeah, 13. Um, like hugging his family who like- just stuck with him. That's so cool. Yeah. Like, oof. Yeah. That's heavy stuff, man. It is. And this movie had so much more meaning because this was a real person. And like right. this person was around and could have told his story. And like they went to the Senate and had hearings about the death penalty and stuff like that. And the fact that this was a man that came from humble beginnings and became a lawyer not to make money but to like help people and make an actual difference like these are the stories that need to be told yeah i would have never learned about this that's why i loved it so much like yep. this dude's a fucking hero dude like yeah. he's a hero he's like robin hood or something so there's this final uh not the guy Ritchie version hopefully of robin hood no um kevin costner baby sure um there's this final monologue you mentioned at the beginning like you have this final courtroom scene and, like every word you said you're hanging on to and, like you're going with it it was so good it's so good um and i think if I, i'm going to touch a little bit on stuff that didn't work for me in this movie um is that it's kind of randomly undercut with jokes <laughs> like and i i i did not almost i definitely didn't want that at the very end uh michael b jordan gives us basically at the camera like we all deserve mercy we all deserve um all, all sorts of stuff and then the camera cuts to Jamie Foxx and he's like, I wrote that. And then it's like this laughing moment. Mm -hmm. And that happens a few times in the movie. And like, there's these really powerful moments that I think the movie has kind of groomed me for. And then it just undercuts it with a joke. I was like, I don't think that's the smartest way to tell this story. Yeah. And that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, especially because it's bookended, um, or at least certainly ended on one side with these really heavy statistics and that whole middle part with uh, our fella that I can't remember the name of right now. Herb. Herbert. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, some of that stuff was just like a little, a little tonally off for me, mm. which is what was keeping it from being beyond an eight. Maybe they just added those to where like you wouldn't just weep uncontrollably the whole time. Maybe. I mean, honestly, man, like I, cr I cried a lot in this movie, uh, in that second part, like there's mm -hmm. something so visceral about seeing a person coming to terms with the fact that they're about to be killed mm -hmm. in, in Herb's case, like for something he, he was, he had PTSD from a war 
clearly needed help, mm-hmm. should have been in a hospital, and was just locked up and treated like shit, and then murdered. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way around that. That sucks. That's a really like that's a thing that happens all the time. Yeah. And I'm watching that on a Monday morning at 11 a.m. drinking a cup of tea, and it's just it's heavy. Pinky, it's heavy stuff. Pinky out. Like no, it curled. This, no, it curled in. At that is, point, I was like, I, I almost broke my glass. I'm just like sitting there, like, oh, yeah. It was rough, man. It was really heavy. There's no way not to, even if you think they deserved it. Just the empathizing on a human level of like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's rough. It was a very interesting peek into what that process might look like. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, the depth of the humanity that they they delved into and tackled was uh, not something you usually see on right. screen. Along those lines, there's a security or a jail, a prison guard who um, starts off as clearly horrible. Yeah, and sort of has like a a realization moment when he witnesses Herb's execution, mm-hmm. where he becomes less shitty. Yeah, how'd that sit with you? I liked it, and yeah. I liked it because they did not overly highlight it. They didn't need to give him his own narrative. Right. That was just subtle change in behavior. It was a human evolving and being exposed to new ideas and having an open mind and growing as a person. And I like the way that they didn't showcase it and shine a light on it. It was just, it just was. I love that. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, Yeah, he was just, yeah, he was a secondary character. And and if you weren't paying attention Mm -hmm. and weren't aware of, of what happened to him or what he did in the beginning, you wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. Which I think is much more true to form with how people actually uh, change maybe mm-hmm. or notice that they need to change. It's subtle. Yeah. It's not Tony Falalonga eating hot dogs. <laughs> uh, was that two years ago or last hey, year? Hey, man, too soon. It was last year, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was nice. I think a lot of those, even Rafe Spall's turn at the end when he's like, no, I think we should drop the charges. Mm-hmm. I think they could have played that up. A different director could have played this up as like, He's the reason that he was let out. Mm-hmm. Like a, 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 a reputable white man saved him right. again. Like, no, it was somebody that's been ignoring yeah. logic and facts this right. whole time. And just finally, like, I, I have to. Yeah, like you push it to the point where, like, these facts are undeniable. Yeah, like yeah. you can't just bury your head in the sand of bigotry and exist anymore. You have to be in the real world. Yeah, where consequences come with terrible action. Yep. So yeah, I like I like this movie a lot. Man. Maybe that's just a couple of drinks in for me, but like the sheriff or whatever, Sheriff Tate mm-hmm. probably was his name. Yeah, like, I don't. He, fuck that guy. Yeah, he's, he's the, the worst. worst. And he got reelected. Oh, did he? Like, I didn't. Did it, he? it was in the oh, end was of it? stuff. I didn't did see you, that. You might have turned it off soon. They kept coming. Oh, there was like I watched them. I thought there was one about the sheriff. He got elected like four more times. Just this last year, he was oh, not this the sh- last year. Yeah, like 2019. Oof. I don't know how that works. I really like the idea that because in the movie they have the 60 minutes sort of mm-hmm. um, unraveling of the truth. I wonder what this movie's going to do for that guy's life. I hope he, oh man, I hope he gets freaking unelected so hard. Right. Hope he gets freaking well, forced into retirement. Any, like I said, he's retired now. Oh. He just became not the sheriff like last year. I hope he doesn't. I hope he can't. I hope. Hmm. I hope they don't fulfill his scriptions. Yeah. At the right age. I hope he has to wait in lines for so long. Yep. Yeah. I hope they reserve the right to refuse service to That's him. That's exactly what I hope. Yep. Uh, all right. Just mercy. That was so good, Pretty dude. Good. How good yeah. is Jamie Foxx? Really good, man. I watched this really, really, fa- uh, not fascinating, but really entertaining roundtable of actors. It was. Uh, well, if it wasn't fascinating, I don't care. <laughs> I think you will. It was um, It was Jamie Foxx, uh, Tom Hanks, Shia LaBeouf, Adam Driver, 
uh, Robert De Niro. Mm, I'm missing somebody. Adam Sandler. Okay. For like wow. Uncut Gems, Irishman, uh, Marriage Story, all these movies, and they were sitting around. And I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up real quick because I maybe I'll put it in the uh, episode description. It's an hour long, and it's just one moderator talking to these five or six actors about themselves and their projects and kind of what inspires them and uh, challenges in life and challenges on acting. Like Shia LaBeouf's stuff about Honey Boy comes up with addiction and um, how to portray his father. And Jamie Foxx talks about this movie, and Robert De Niro talks about The Irishman, which actually is one of the reasons I started it. I didn't care at all. Then I watched Robert De Niro. I was like, I'll give it a shot. And I cared for a while. I like Robert De Niro. People call him Bob. I think that's nice. Oh, Bob De Niro. Oh, Bob. And he calls Martin Scorsese Marty. Marty. That kind of stuff. Well, they've known each other since college. I know. They did nine films together. What a stroke of luck for an aspiring young actor. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Um, I think it's Vanity Fair, but I'm going to double check because I think it's a really worthwhile uh, actor's roundtable. All right. Um, it is, oh, it's a Hollywood reporter. Excuse there you me. go. It's a, it's called actors round table. Uh, type in Adam driver, Shia LaBeouf, Hollywood reporter. You'll get it. There's a whole series of them. They're very good. There's one with Michael B. Jordan. So check it out if you want. Hell yeah. Let's talk about Atlantics. We can, we have to, we have to, cause I have two things I definitely want to talk about. All right. Um, we talked about this being a love story. Mm-hmm. You said it didn't work, uh, for Suleiman and Ada didn't work as a love story. Yes. I was going to make the case that it, it's it's less about the two of them and it's more about Ada's experience with growing up, learning what love is, learning who she is because she basically has um to some extent romantic relationships with Suleiman, uh, Omar, her betrothed, mm-hmm. and this inspector, mm-hmm. right? Um, who is Suleiman? Who is Suleiman, which was strange to me because um really quick recap, all the boys go to see, they die. Then they re-inhabit the bodies of these girls, always girls, and they want money from this guy. The only time it's not a girl is when Suleiman comes and uh, takes over the body of this inspector. That confused me. I don't know why. It seems like going into women's bodies is more straightforward than why throw in the inspector man. feels like they were just like, well, she's a girl and she's straight, so she has to make out with a boy. I don't know. That didn't work for me as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that helped me with the plausibility of the romance in this movie, knowing that it wouldn't have to be just about the two of them. And it was more about her and how that related to all these men. No, I get that. But also we still didn't get enough about her. Didn't get enough about her and her backstory. Like it just wasn't enough, man. She's, I mean, she's a young girl growing up and she's torn between the secular and the religious and following people's orders or exploring her own path. I think that's that's enough for me. Yeah, in the metaphorical sense. Totally. But yeah. I think this once once the possession stuff happens, I think this movie becomes 100% metaphorical. Mostly, not 100, 90% metaphorical. Yeah. Um, but it starts out as it's like trying to be character driven. Totally. So, And I actually, um, I was sort of in your boat for, oh, pun intended, I guess, um, your boat to Spain, um, where I was like, okay, this, this is dragging on. And then we get that scene where the uh, the foreman or whatever walks into his house and the girls have like nightgowns and rolled back eyes. And I was like, what is this movie? Like I got scared for a minute. I was like, is this turning into a horror movie? I wish it would have. It got scary for, like, that scene was scary. There's creepy at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reinvigorated me. And I think that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this differently. Mm-hmm. And that worked. Fair enough. Um, waves, sunsets, pacing issues, mm-hmm. you think. Yes. So much. Yeah, I think you're right. Just stop. 
I think, yeah, I mentioned the final scene where there's sort of a narrative overlay mm-hmm. with a shot of the ocean. I, I, I don't remember what it was exactly, but some of it was very nice and poetic, but it also felt a little bit um, like too strong of an attempt to tie neatly into a bow what otherwise could have been a nice open-ended sort of uh, metaphorical story. So I didn't love that. And I think those are the two things that I wanted to discuss about Atlantics. Did you have anything else? I don't think so. Right. I think I've made my thoughts fairly clear. Fair enough. I don't want to just crap on a movie. Fair enough. Because you know, okay. if, if you liked it and I didn't, then that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I think it just it dove too far into the metaphorical. Right. After it, it started out as one thing and became another and expected you to just be okay with it. And yeah, I don't know. I just was not. It's not a movie for everybody. It's going to lose people. Yeah. Look at that. You know what a gothic story is? I mm. learned this. A gothic love story. I, I was like, is there a term for this? Because it reminded me of a ghost story. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically. It's where somebody dies, right? It's where somebody dies and comes back to sort of haunt or, um, uh, what's the word you try to get somebody to fall in love with you? Seduce. No, less less creepy than that. Um, you know. Uh, woo? Yeah, like woo somebody. Uh, it's a gothic love story. Gothic Court. Story. Court, sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff. To, it's like born out of the 1800s. A lot of like castle stuff. Uh, nice. Guy falls off of a big... Uh, you know, balcony and comes back as a ghost and lights candles. And is like, Ooh, spooky. Oh wait, he's in love with me. Gothic, gothic romance. Good times. So that's what I thought. Nice. You know, I like it. New, new turn of genre phrase. Hmm. We're learning. We're adapting. We're evolving. Yes, indeed. This show wouldn't be what it is without Bailey Minardi, by the way, everybody, we should just let you know that right away. If you want to support this show, which wouldn't be possible without Bailey, uh, join us on Patreon because then maybe the show wouldn't be possible without you. You can support us for a dollar an episode. $10 $10 an episode, anything in between, we'd appreciate it. Uh, Patreon.com slash Cinema. Rate and review us wherever you listen. That would be super, super cool. Um, Johnny Summers, any anything else you want to add? Uh, watch The Lobster, and I'll see you guys on Friday. Yeah, see you Friday, Patreon folks. Uh, the rest of you, we'll see, talk to you next Tuesday. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.